Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Carrie Clack, columnist, editorial board. Nancy M. Prayer Johnson, associate editor at the editorial board. Uh, Greg Jefferson, Metro editor. Coming down the stretch drive uh, for the midterm elections, uh, we're within a couple of weeks of, of uh, early voting starting, and uh, I think this week is the deadline for anybody who hasn't registered. So I hope if you haven't and you're uh, interested in voting, please please do that. Um, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the governor's race and what's going on with that. But I wanted to, to start by looking at uh, everything that's happening with Uvalde, and obviously there's been a lot of upheaval since the May 24th uh, school shooting at Robb Elementary. Last week, the, the story broke that the Uvalde uh, Consolidated Independent School District had hired a state trooper, Crimson uh, Elizondo, who was uh, part of the, the response to the shooting that day and one of the many officers who, who really failed to take action uh, during that, that shooting. And they hired her uh, to work for the, the school district. Uh, police department. Uh, within 24 hours of the story breaking, uh, she was uh, she was fired, and then a day later, uh, the school district suspended their police department. Um, Nancy, I want to start with you because you, you've done so much reporting on Uvalde. Um, what do you? What were your uh, thoughts when this this story broke? You know, the last time I was in Uvalde was just, um, it's been a couple of weeks. I went, um, it was probably the second day that Brett was out there. Brett Cross was out there in front of the administration building. Um, and he just kept saying, I'm going to stay out here till, <laughs> till we get our demands met, right? Um, I mean, there was a little bit of progress, but when it came to... Um, when it came to that news, when that news broke, I thought, well, now the district is not going to have a, a choice but to answer. And that's what happened, right? I mean, it, it was nothing really shocks me out of there anymore. You know, I mean, um, the story just keeps getting worse, if that's even possible. It's horrific. Um, but just the details that keep coming forward are um, are just terrible. I know that the parents were very, um, they were just really grateful to that journalist who broke that and who got that information um, because they needed a break, right? And so they've been fighting for, they've been demanding the that the um, the officers, there's some kind of accountability and not just for the police chief that was terminated earlier, right? Um, they want to make sure that the school officers are um, held liable. So the families will tell, um, often when I ask them about, about the school officers, they'll say stuff like, well, when we go to the school board meetings, when we go to the schools, we're literally wanted by the school police and we know they were there on that day. And we question, did they do all they could to save our babies, right? Um, and so that is a huge question and they are face to face with them all the time. And so they just want to know in their hearts and their minds that, that they did all they could. Right. And the school district hasn't done that. So when this new news came out, I mean, I can't say it was shocking, but it did get the results that we see now. There's been so yeah. much scrutiny of, of what's going on there. And this was a, a state trooper. This is one of the state troopers who is being, who's under investigation at the yeah, time. What's I mean, the thought process yeah, of the school say, district? We, we should, um, you know, we, we should kind of be a little specific yeah. as to what happened. So yeah. DPS has, uh, they put seven off of the responding officers. So DPS had 91 mm -hmm. officers on the scene that day. Yeah. They, they have seven under investigation for what they did or did not do, uh, during the massacre. Uh, Crimson Elizondo was one of them. 
so she was uh, under investigation. She left DPS, so she quit. Uh, applied for uh, one of the positions on the Uvalde school police force because they're hiring, as you know, as as is reasonable, they're hiring more more officers. Um, so she applied. We know that the the school district st- school district was aware that she was under investigation, but it's not clear from the uh, email traffic we we reviewed that they knew specifically what she was you know what what the subject of the probe was but come on yeah. <laughs> i mean we they had to have known i mean there's no way they they could have uh, been unaware that she was on the scene and that I, that was almost certainly the reason she was under investigation they hired her anyway which is remarkable yeah. um yeah, I mean, the ahead. most damning part was that video. I mean, at oh, first I actually yeah. thought I was yeah, trying yeah. to give, you know, <laughs> right. and I do have some empathy toward the school district and the superintendent and, you know, the staff there, the school board. Like, my God, can you imagine being in their seats? Um, so it, I don't put complete blame on them. Um, but this, there was just no denying it. You hear her on the video saying, well, if it was my baby, you know, if it was my kids and, you know, not direct quote here, but mm-hmm. basically the effect of it was mine. I would be in there. Yeah. I would have gone in there. And I mean, it was parents were just livid. Yeah. And yeah. I would say I would guess. So the story broke um, on CNN Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. We I have to say we followed up very closely mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. with our yeah. own story. Turns out uh, Guillermo Contreras, our reporter, he's done a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, the law enforcement stories out of Uvalde. For us, uh, he was on it, and so we had a story ready to go. We posted it as soon as we could. Within hours of that, um, the school district fired Officer Elizondo. I, I think my guess is because of that 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 uh, that comment she made that yeah. we have on video. It's that's probably the reason they acted so quickly. Uh, because you'll remember the school district had a hard time uh, firing its police chief, Pete yeah. Arredondo, who, who had was, a history himself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, it took, you know, they they had, I believe the first meeting at which they were going to terminate him, have a termination hearing, was in early August or maybe it was late July. But anyway, it took several more weeks after that because his lawyer had gotten involved and was claiming he was, you know, they the board was violating his due process rights. In this case, they just cauterized it. They just like, they fired her immediately. Uh, And I think it was on the strength of what she said about how, you know, if she'd had a kid, she would have behaved differently. I had a kid at Rob, she would have behaved differently. That was just, that was just more than I think any school district. And it didn't help that, I mean, I think I I do give some credit to Brett Cross and the families that were out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were camped out there, I believe it was 245 or 247 hours, day, night, camped out there um, at the administration building. Um, It was really stressing the district, right? I mean, when I was out there, they actually had, and I didn't include it in my column because word counts. (laughs) But um, at one point we're out there, like the staff members were escorted in. I mean, there's this long mm. line of people that came yeah. and they were being escorted by DPS troopers just to get in the building to get to work. And then the parents were saying they would shout at them like, oh, it's not you. We have a problem with you. You're OK. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was just 
it was chaotic. It was stressing them. You know, they they didn't I feel like they didn't know what they were going to do next. They were kind of appealing above just to see like what we could do at a state level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but any move they would make, you know, would look bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and right. it's like they had to they had to give in. Carrie, does I mean, does this decision to suspend the, the police department, is this kind of an acknowledgement that the system is broken? If we take into account the hiring uh, of, of this former trooper, the fact you know, the hiring of their former police chief who had a problematic history in Laredo, which, uh, you know, Brian Chasnoff wrote, wrote about for uh, our paper. Uh, is this is just maybe them finally acknowledging there's there's some problems with the way we've been going about things? Uh, of, of course. It's like everything yeah. they've done, everything yeah. that's happened. Since the shooting, yeah. it's it's been like, how can we make this worse? Yes. Yeah. How can we make it worse for the parents, the families? How can we make it? How can we make ourselves look worse? And something that should have been done more than five months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you do have to give uh, Mr. Cross and those families. I mean, that was that was a act of nonviolent direct action. That was an act of civil disobedience, which won, and. One of the, the interesting things is is seeing these families emerging as a political force, yeah. which may go beyond uh, twenty twenty two, but Uvalde Uvalde created that. But I, I also agree with, with Greg. It, it, I, I don't know if we don't have the the video if uh, Ms. Alessandro is still if she if she's fired, but because there's something that you couldn't, and you could just you know following Twitter and all the parents responding to this, yeah. Kimberly Rubio, who to me yeah. is is really emerging as, which I thought she would when she first mm-hmm. appeared before Congress, she's really emerging as I think the the voice and and, and face of of these parents, but it's 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 insane, it really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also think I mean it's worth pointing out. Also that, you know, the, you know, this is Monday morning. Uh, so Monday night, t- later today, mm-hmm. uh, the Uvalde school board is going to be talking about, you know, the timeline for uh, Hal Harrell, the superintendent's uh, retirement. I don't think this is, you know, there's no coincidence here. I no. think he's, no. I think it could be that the board is is setting up his departure to do it as gracefully as mm-hmm. is possible under the circumstance. I do think, though, that, you know, just in my own opinion, it's got to happen. Like, you know, this is what this is building up to. I mean, there have been so many mistakes on the school district, district's part and uh, how they've handled it up to this point that, you know, you can't if – they're, if they're going to reestablish, uh, you know, trust with the community – Something like this has to happen. Mm-hmm. We saw yeah. something similar with Paula Gold Williams at CPS Energy yeah. after, Good you know, after yeah. you know uh, yeah. the winter storm Yuri and all the fallout from that. This is, um, you know, it's it's similar, um, and you're only going to get um, a kind of a reset with with his departure. I think. Yeah, um, what's interesting, I've actually heard from some teachers there and and seen also some I heard directly from a teacher last night and this teacher said, you know, just so you know, there's going to be a board meeting Monday. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, But 
I appreciate, you know, they reach out and make sure I'm staying on top of it because we cover everything. Um, and she and I asked her, I said, and, you know, and she was at Rob that day. She was, you know, um, she was OK. Her students were OK, but she was there and um, she's kept in contact with me since it happened. And um, and I said, so how where do you fall? Because there are these there's two factions here. One is pro how one is against. And there's not there's not a clear um, consensus mm-hmm. among the community there. And trust is a huge part of it. Right. But and I do believe a fresh start will help them, but it's going to hurt um, oh, because yeah. there are so many but- even like that teacher was. She's very against how leaving. And um, I think that there is a lot of anxiety as far as who was going to come in next. And their superintendents before how were not the best um, is what is what the consensus is right now. And so they're nervous. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, but there another way of looking at it is and, you know, this this could be a little bit of pie in the sky thinking, but the board could say. All right, this is this is a real opportunity to reconnect with the community and here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So um you know, it's like I I got several uh, news alerts from the Washington Post and the New York Times on the Uvalde school district last year. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this has got to be the highest profile it's amazing. tiny little school mm-hmm. district in the country right mm-hmm. now. There's a huge amount of focus on Uvalde's school district. And I'm just curious about you know, when they go out and look for a superintendent, are they going to have uh, are they going to have school administrators who are who are really capable and really hungry and really want to come in and 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 turn this district around and in the in the process of doing that, kind of making a name for themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could bring in some some decent talent uh, that Uvalde might not have attracted otherwise. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you know you've got. You know, if you want to reconnect with community, a way of doing that is to is to bring in these families mm-hmm. and make them part of the search process. Mm, right, Absolutely. like bring them right. in for like public interviews with Good candidates idea. and just get them involved. You know, get yeah. them really invested in this search. There's an opportunity yeah. here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope I that they. I really hope they don't pick somebody from the inside. Because sometimes that happens. Yeah, They'll yeah, promote yeah. somebody and say, well, they've been around. They know mm-hmm. it. They know the job. They know the people. Mm-hmm. They're from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. feel like if a fresh start should be a fresh start. Um, as much as it will hurt some in the community sure. there, including some of the victims' families. I mean, there's one teacher who lost. She's a teacher in the district, and she lost her child. And she was posting um, on her Facebook over the weekend, pro Hal Harrell. Like saying, Mm -hmm. you know, he's done so much. I love him. He's beloved. He's from here. He went to high school here. You know, he grew up here and he's from Uvalde. He cares and we know it. Um, And so, yeah, it's going to hurt. But I just feel like if you do somebody from the inside, somebody who worked directly for Hal, you'll get more of the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Want to talk a little bit about uh, the controversy that uh, it's been building uh, in recent weeks over the St. Mary's Strip. Now everybody knows that the the St. Mary's Strip has, has been a kind of a center of nightlife in San Antonio, going back to the 1980s. And there's always been some degree of tension between the businesses, you know, the the clubs and the and the bars there, uh, and and the the nearby residents. Uh, and it's it's gotten, I think, worse in the in the past year or so. Um, and it hasn't been helped by the fact that we've had all this construction tearing up St. Mary's for the past year and a half. It's been a very slow construction process. A few months ago, city staff um, 
hired Pape Dawson engineers to do a study, look at what the problems are and, and possible solutions. And a recommendation came out of that, which was to have residential permit parking on uh, nearby residential streets from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. You know, on, on weekends. Um, this was the idea had been had been floating around, but the, the the proposal was really kind of dropped in the laps of, of business people uh, about two two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. And the original plan was to have a city council vote. Um, or I, I think it was maybe about three weeks ago, and then there, there was going to be a, a a town hall, and then the following week there was going to be a city council vote on this thing. And I think business uh, owners were stunned at, at how fast this was happening and how little time there was for discussion. So September 4th, there was this outdoor parking lot to town hall involving uh, city staff. You had Councilman Mario Bravo, uh, and you had a lot of residents and business owners who were, who were really upset. Um, it looks now like this has been tabled, this idea has been tabled, um, and uh, I, I think you know one thought out there, which Diego Bernal, the the former councilman and current state rep, has suggested, is just let's let's kind of wait a while. This construction uh, process has really disrupted things. Businesses, uh, uh, the owner at Squeezebox, Aaron Prado, has said his business is down about forty percent. Um, uh, you know, they were recovering from the pandemic. Now they're dealing with this. So I think there's some thought of now maybe waiting a little bit or seeing if the two sides can work things out between them. But uh, I guess I'll start with you, Greg. I mean, just when you look at this situation, like I said, we 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 all know there's always been when you got you got noise, you got people, you know, <laughs> but, drinking I've, late at night. I mean, it's always going to be. I've a problem. always wondered, like I don't, you know, I've been to a number of uh, Paper Tiger concerts. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do people sleep around here? I mean, they my don't. God, you know, it's like one o'clock in the morning, yeah. and you got. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, so like there's, I, th I think inherently there's always going to be a tension between an entertainment district like the Strip and, and the residents, right? Yeah. I think um, what we're seeing is um, it's kind of like everything else about the pandemic, you know, it's like things reopen, live venues open up. And it's like, oh my God, this is, it's all coming back to me now. Why I hate the strip. Why I hate living off the strip. Yeah. It's because, hey, people are back and they're, you know, concerts, we've got concerts again, live acts coming through. People are going out to eat, you know, eat and then go to, you know, their favorite men <laughs> venue on the strip. Uh, so yeah, you have all of this tension you didn't have for about a two year period yeah. and it's all come roaring back now. And so you have neighbors who, you know, it's like who, you know, who wants to put up with, you know, noise on your street, car, you know, difficulty maneuvering because mm -hmm. you've got cars parked on both sides. I mean, so you understand the tension, but I'm not surprised that it's flaring up like this. I mean, just because, um, you know, the the economy is kind of coming back and this is this is part of it. You know, it's it's evidence that, you know, we're we're we're, we're kind of over the pandemic in a sense. Yeah. Any, uh, I mean, there, I don't think there are any easy solutions. I think it's probably going to be kind of a, a patchwork yep. thing, a, a combination of ideas, um, mm -hmm. you know, which, and I think the businesses have talked about, you know, having last call a little earlier and maybe hiring, pooling their money, hiring some security to kind of create a more of a sense of safety in the area. There's, been talk about, I think uh, Councilman Rob talked about uh, Tycoon Flats, maybe having some parking space available. That's that's going to be a small help. I mean, you know, the, it, I mean, really people need a, you need a parking garage, but that's that's not going to happen, I don't think. So um, anyway, I mean, I, I, again, I, I think it's, I mean, there are I, easy yeah, solutions I, to this. Yeah, and, it, and it's something that's always been, and, and I do think you know, what Greg's saying, with the combination of COVID and, and, con, and construction just uh, 
exacerbated it. And but I, and I was recalling because I mean, it really is thriving now. And it wasn't that long ago. I was trying to put a mm-hmm. time frame when it had just died. I mean, like back in the yeah. the mid nineties, early two thousand, was going great. Then there came a period mm-hmm. when it was just dead. And I and I can't remember the reason why. There there was a uh, uh, there was a. Uh, I think there were a few like violent uh, incidents there. There yeah. was there was a, a, a high profile shooting a, a man in I think in his late twenties who was there with his wife and he was he was uh, murdered, uh, leaving leaving I think a, a, a restaurant there. And this was like the middle of nineteen ninety. That I mean the the strip continued to do well for a while, but there were a few other incidents. And I don't, I mean I think the the memory that we have of it is that there was this horrible shooting and people got scared and they immediately stopped. I think it was more gradual than that, mm-hmm. but. Um, but I think in the last ten years we've seen some new business owners yeah. come in, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of come back. You know, it's like we tend to talk about uh, the pearl as this yeah. this mm-hmm. like meteor strike, and it just affects everything right. around it, and it gets exaggerated sometimes. In this case, I do think uh, you know a lot of the a lot of a lot of the kind of re energized strip owes something to the pearl. Oh, it's, it's, it's really That's taken great, yeah. taken hold over the mm-hmm. last 15 years. I think that has a lot to do mm-hmm. with it too. And it's it since it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's a I'm not sure how far it is from the strip. It's not very far not at far. all. Not yeah, far. Like yeah, like a few blocks, yeah. but yeah. you can't see it from the strip necessarily, but it's definitely making, you know, making itself felt. I mean, property values are up. There's a lot of uh there's a lot just a lot more people moving through the area who non-residents than there had been before. And I think a lot of that's just attributable to the Pearl. Yeah. I think it's smart to wait. You know, the the businesses are really um, going through a lot with that construction. Mm-hmm. I don't go to, to, I know it's no surprise, <laughs> but I don't go to the to the concerts <laughs> right, at the paper right. tag. I just don't. I haven't been a single one. Maybe I need to change that. Um, but So I have not <laughs> yeah, personally totally. experienced it at night. <laughs> um, but my husband and I went out there um to Tycoon Flats to have lunch one day yeah. recently. And we had trouble just navigating the yeah. construction and it's finding a parking spot. Like, this horrible. was like a Saturday at like one o'clock uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, and I, it just made me think like, how bad is it at night, right? I did hear over the weekend as well that Luther's closed, um, which is huge. And people were just real, like, are you sure? And so then it was confirmed, yes, they closed. Um, so, I mean, the businesses are really being being um, affected by this. Mm -hmm. And I I do think the best thing is to wait and see, you know, at least let this construction, I believe the construction is still going to go another year, which is, which is really something. It's it's a mess. It has been hard to get burger to, to burger boy. Exactly. For a year. I was just crazy. Yeah. I was just thinking about burger boy. That's unacceptable. It's an outrage. It really is. Yeah. Waterburger will send you a gift card. I expect to see picketing later this week. So anyway, this is going to be, this is, I, I think that if there's a positive that's come out of, all, all the anger about the way this thing was kind of, uh, this proposal seemed to be kind of a be, being fast-tracked uh, for city council confirmation. I, I think the one positive is that the the Tobin Hill residents and the businesses, I think there is some kind of renewed um, commitment on, their, on the, the side, on both sides to maybe let, let's just work together and let's cut the, the city out of this because their city is not helping at all with the situation. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Wanted to, uh, before we wrap things up, talk about the governor's race. Um, 
Nancy, you had a column over the weekend, really interesting column about Beth O'Rourke and what's happening with him and, uh, and, you know, this, the response he's getting at colleges. And I know uh, Jeremy Wallace uh, was, was here a couple of weeks ago when, when Betha was, was at the office for uh, the editorial board meeting. And, and uh, I think Betha had just been to UTSA that day and said, yeah. and he was saying like he, Jeremy felt that he had been like at a rock concert. Yes. I mean, it was like his ears were ringing and it was probably the biggest crowd that he had seen. And he's been covering him. Yeah. For years. So, um, I mean, what do you think is going on there? You know, that's uh, that is why I started paying attention, although I had seen it on all the social media. It was, you know, in my threads everywhere. Um, and I, you know, I was seeing all these posts, but then I really hadn't paid as close of attention to really look at the size of the crowds. When Jeremy came in here that day for the editorial board, we actually Beto was running a little bit late and yeah. he said, you know, I don't know how late he's going to be, but the lines are long and yeah. he is posing for those photos with the students. And so to hear his, um, just the excitement Jeremy had about it, you know, just how big the crowd was, I was intrigued. So I started looking at, you know, more closely at his Facebook, his YouTube, his Twitter. And wow, you know, I there is like, there is no other candidate in Texas and I would dare, you know, even nationally who is doing that kind of effort to get the young vote out, um, Generation Z especially. Um, what the polls say is is there is a chance, you know, that this that Generation Z can that Gen Z can actually make a difference. I talked to Mark Jones, um, and he says, you know, it's possible they could change it. Um, and so Beto is he's betting on these young people. I I have to say personally, and you know, having been a teacher and having been, you know, I was just at UTSA for a master's degree program a few years years back. Um, it's it's promising. It's refreshing to see this. You know, I just I'm excited that young people care that they give a mm. damn, you know, I yeah, mean, yeah. they're there. You see people of all backgrounds and not they're not just I, I hate to say, it, but they're just not blue haired people. <laughs> they care about the they care about the issues. They're excited. They have their signs. They're um, chanting his name. Uh, I just feel like they're really energized. And so just the fact that they want to be civically engaged is so True. exciting to me. That's true. And I mean, Carrie, I mean, this is really the X factor for him, right? Because all the polls have had him, you know, five points behind, seven points behind. He hasn't really been able to to, to get closer than that. Yeah. But I think on his side, there's that that thought that we don't know. We really don't know what the turnout could is going to be because there is a certain energy that we're seeing uh, among young voters that is not not common. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And 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 and. To Nancy's point, about, yeah, there's no other candidate who's doing this. And I'm trying to think of the last, you, there's two candidates who had this kind of effect on young people. Uh, you know, surprisingly, you know, Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. you know, he, sure. and then Obama. Mm -hmm. And Obama got them to vote, uh, Sanders not so much. And it, it, it does feel more like an Obama kind of thing because of the other, the great unknowns of, of of Uvalde and 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 Dobbs, and I don't know if you saw um, Scott Braddock of uh, the Quorum Report had mm -hmm. something yesterday about internal polls for Abbott showing that he's tanking. Yeah, 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 yeah. The tweet, yeah, it wasn't clear. If it wasn't he was talking about internal polling yeah. for Beto or for for yeah. Greg mm -hmm. Abbott, mm -hmm. but yeah, it said that he's he's tanking in in the suburbs, and. 
to me, that's plausible. I mean, yeah. it's like, there's, yeah. there's, you know, it, it's a tweet it's yeah. and we don't know. There's a lot we don't know. And yeah. there was, you know, it was just kind of a, you know, it was he dashed off and who knows uh, what he actually saw, but it's plausible. I mean, you can, you can understand that, you know, Abbott, particularly after the overturning of Roe versus Wade and with this Texas trigger law kicking in, basically effectively banning abortion, you could see where he might not be doing that well with suburban women. So it's totally, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, you know. Yeah. Um, be, before we do, do uh, finish off, I wanted to take a question. We've been inviting uh, listeners to submit questions for us uh, at expressnews.com forward slash askpudo. And we got a recent question, uh, which which is, I guess, related to uh, the, the the recent story uh, involving the conflict between uh, Councilman Mario Bravo and um, and uh, fellow council member Ana Sandoval. They there was she he was unhappy with her decision to abstain on a on a vote uh, regarding the the surplus that CPS Energy had, and uh, so he. You know, he confronted her before the council meeting and 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 brought up, you know, that they, they had been in a relationship a few years back. And so he said to her uh, that this is why they are not weren't together anymore. This is why he didn't want to have, to, you know, have a baby with her and so on. And it's uh, um, and uh, uh, Mayor Ron Nuremberg ended up uh, temporarily re- uh, removing him from the council committees that he's on. So that's that's the backstory. And the question we got was, why isn't Councilwoman Sandoval facing any consequences for having an inter-office relationship? And the short answer is that she hasn't had one. She, When she got elected to city council in 2017, uh, she was in a relationship with Mario Bravo. At the time, he was an environmental activist. He worked to help get her elected at that time. By the time he decided to run for city council in 2021, that relationship was over. So, um, I mean, it's it's a it's an unusual situation. It's an it's I'm sure it's been an awkward situation for both of them since he was elected to the city council uh, about a year and a half ago. But neither of them is in a relationship uh, has been in a relationship with a fellow council member or or anything like that. So I appreciate the question and uh, thanks and and submit any other questions you have for us. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Take care.